Phoenix Center, the bottom chakra, which is a wheel turning, circulates through the body. It's basically like a heart. It pumps energy through your body and it pumps through the body. What it circulates through is all of the prana that has been used up in the body before, like your food. You eat the food and it goes into your stomach and from the stomach it goes into the intestines and you, you take out of that the good food that you need and the rest is excreted via your anus or as urine or feces. Anyway, it's excreted. And likewise with the prana, what happens is that as you do your daily sort of um, lives, your emotions and, and whatever you do from day to day, the way you interrelate with people, so also you use up energies. You create all types of energies. Some of it is very good and some of it is quite negative. And the spleen, what it happens is during as this energy has already been circulated through your body that you've created, it sorts it out. This new energy comes in. It's superimposed upon the old energy that's been circulating in your body and it expels, it excretes the energy that's no longer needed. Right? The energy that's no longer needed then goes through the line of least resistance um, to certain organs in your body. If um, you're overproducing this type of energy, it comes out as a sewer and the sewer comes out through certain chakras in your body. Wherever it comes out, it can be, say, through the vagina and some women, or it can go throughout through the lungs. There is where you're going to get sick. There's your um, arena of sickness. Because um, that's the weak part in your body, and the sewer stuff is just pouring out. The more um, gross emotionality you have, the more you toxify your body through um, you know, crazy living styles, the more this type of prana is produced, the more um, you have to push it out. Like, um, for instance, eating polluted food if, or you know, food with lots and lots of toxins in it or lots and lots of chemicals in it, adulterated foods. Your body can handle a certain amount, um, but if you put too much of this in, it's toxic to the body and you're going to get sick. Likewise with energies, if you create too much um, bad energies, your body has to eliminate it somewhere, somehow, and it can handle a certain amount of normal elimination. It sends it out through the lungs or through certain areas in the body, the bottom of the feet, for instance. Um, and if you do too much of this, it can't handle it. It goes to an organ of your body and out it goes as a sickness or disease. You get your coughs and your ailments. Now looking to the major chakras in the order of unfoldment, we can start off at the centre of the base of the spine, the Muladhara chakra. This centre has four petals, they're generally coloured orange-red, and is the primal centre that expresses the Kundalini forces that give vitality to the material world. This Kundalini energy is that which coheres all into a shape and gives it internal heat. There are four petals to do with this particular chakra, and these four petals relate to the four kingdoms of nature. One petal to the mineral kingdom, another petal to the pranas of the vegetable kingdom, another petal to the pranas emanating from the animal kingdom, and the fourth petal to the pranas emanating from the human kingdom. These pranas from these four kingdoms of nature are interrelated here, and uh, in such a way as associated with dense material plane living. The element, therefore, is the earth, the most material of the five alchemical elements. And um, when one has awakened this chakra proper, it gives, therefore, control over the element earth. The next centre, as we go up the spinal column, is the sacral centre, and the sacral centre and the base of the spine are superimposed upon each other, 
They are esoterically seen as one chakra. The sacral centre has six petals to it, and um, the petals are coloured according to the type of prana that flows through it. Essentially, the sacral centre is a physical sun within the body, and when the pranas are properly mixed, it produces an overall golden yellow colouring, sun-like appearance. It therefore conveys the vital energies, prana per se, in its five categories, which relate to the five elements, to the list of the body of manifestation, to the rest of the chakras. It vitalizes all of the major chakras of energies. It is the centre associated with relationship and with sexuality per se. All forms of relationships are geared by this particular chakra, or pranas thereof, and the sex play has its function here. Um, it is strongly therefore developed in most people, especially in the sensual, physically focused types of people, those with lots of energy. Um, when fully unfolded, it gives us control of vital energy, prana throughout the body, and insight into the etheric realms, and thus control of biomagnetic fields and healing currents. Essentially, the sacral center can be very much used therefore for healing, if rightly utilized. Very much abused, by people practicing sex magic and much karma has accrued from from such practices throughout the ages. The next petal up is the one that's very important for most people because the solar plexus chakra, the muladhara, is the base of the spine chakra, the svadhisthana is the sacral center and the solar plexus center in the Hindu is called Manipura chakra. This centre has ten petals and um, they are um, green with red or rosy colouring um, and is situated in the navel area. It expresses the qualities associated with the entire emotional body. This is esoterically Rome to which all nadis lead to. It is the prime centre for most human beings and is very active because most people are emotional. All minor centres and all the pranas or nadis associated with the minor centers find their outlet here, find their expression here. The solar plexus can be seen as the abdominal brain and um, highly evolved animals like dogs are solar plexi. That means their brain is a solar plexus center. That is the highest chakra within them. It's a body is the mechanism that allows the personality will to express itself throughout a personality life. So people use the center for all of their willful actions, their anger, their spites, their hatreds, that which allows them to accomplish on the material plane, their greeds and their selfishnesses and so forth. It is the cause, therefore, this emotional energy of the sum total of the world's hells and heaven states as given in a previous tape or talk. Much abused by humanity and many sicknesses and diseases come from its overuse. For instance, cancers directly and colds and coughs and flus and all these epidemics are um, mainly the result of the overuse or the overstimulation of the solar plexus center. And a matter of fact, 95% of all human ails are the result of excessive emotionality. 
Of course, it's the chakra associated with psychic perception and the awakening of clairvoyance and clairaudience and psychometry and all of these common psychic uh, aspects that psychics are involved in in many spiritual groups, what we call the lower psyche. Therefore, with glamour. And it is a world problem. We must learn to control our, the waters and this watery element associated with the solar plexus. And uh, as we do so, then we can rise into realms of the heart and become enlightened beings. The more solar plexus stimulus there is, the more glamour there is, um, the more you are coloured over with glamour, and the more you live in the realms of illusion. Solar plexus energy or emotions immediately distort and distortions immediately lie. Very little that is actually truthful comes from emotional distortions and emotional reactions. Must go to a much higher centre in order to gain spiritual truth. So, it is the sum total or produces the sum total of mass glamours, idolism and emotionality of humanity. Just think of the way water works in nature and so one's emotions fit this bill. Easily coloured by other people's emotionalities, other people's auric colourings. The aura itself and the colourings of the aura, as given in my first talk, indicate something as to the qualities of the solar plexus and the way that the aura works. The next centre is the centre that should be the prime focus of, of all spiritual aspirants, which is the heart. Generally, it is seen as a golden 12-petal lotus and situated between the shoulder blades. It unfolds in all dynamically active, compassionate people and who are associated with groups or concerned with the many. The heart centre can only be awakened through group interplay, through group service, through love, pure and simple, when one sacrifices oneself for the good of the many. It cannot be opened and awakened through chanting, through mantras or through emotionality. Any form of exhilarated feeling and meditation is not the heart centre awakening. The awakening of the heart centre is clear, cold reason. It is cruel and it is cold because it looks at any subject with dispassion and therefore sees clearly what it is and what it stands for and where it goes in the length and the duration and time and space associated with it. It does not distort in any way, shape, or form. There's not a bit of emotionality there. It expresses the full potential of um, the life energy, which is anchored there, the energy from one spirit or monad, and when prana is breathed in from the environmental in general, it is breathed in via the nose centre and circulates through the two breast centres and then goes to the heart. And when this prana, this raw prana, is mixed with the energy from the heart, it is then converted into what the Hindus call jiva, life energy. And that life then is directed to the spleen and from the spleen to the sacral centre, uh, whence it then is directed to all of the major chakras. It is the centre where the Enlightenment consciousness is found and where the voice of silence can be heard. It is the silence voice thundering in the fray of people's emotional deafness. Most people on the spiritual path do not hear this voice at all because the emotions overrule. It takes many years of meditative quietude to actually begin to attune to the silent voice of the heart speaking. It is Enlightenment itself and comes lightning fast. 
the element here is air or space itself. And so when you look at the airy element and the space all around you, that indicates the type of consciousness that is awakened through the heart. The heart is all compassionate and all knowing. And in the Hindu philosophy, this is called Anahata Kakra. The next chakra is the throat center, the Visuddha Kakra. This is a 16 petal lotus. It's colored silverly blue and is situated at the back of the neck and unfolds in all intelligently creative and artistic beings. There's the higher correspondence of the sacral. The sacral is concerned of lower creativity, namely physical plane sex, and all the interrelationships associated with that, and the throat center, which is the high cre creativity, which is, of course, artists, the work of the artist, the work of the writer, the author, or creative thinkers. It expresses the full potential of the creativity of the mind, and thus the word, the potency of the mantra-making capacity of the yogi. It gives us control of the element fire, because the fire element is that of the mind. Mind burns and consumes everything in its path. It understands everything as it burns and consumes it, such as fire does. If one looks at the fiery element, and that it needs fuel to feed on, Likewise with the mind. The fuel, of course, is common knowledge or sensory um, input from by means of the five senses. The next chakra up is the third eye. This is the Arjuna chakra. It has 96 petals divided into two parts of 48 petals each and is situated between the eyebrows. The left side is colored predominantly purple-blue and the right side predominantly rose-yellow. It unfolds in all spiritual aspirants. It is actually organ of vision. All chakras are organs of vision, incidentally. It's not just the third eye. And when people think the third eye is awakening, um, what that's really generally happening is a tiny petal within one of the chakras, generally associated with solar plexus, has been awakened through some forced methods, such as drugs or visualization techniques and one little petal in the, in the Arjuna center awakens correspondingly, and you feel the energy there, and that's you see. What the, what the, I mean, the Arjuna center, what it really does is, um, is the organ of vision. It directs the vision via any of the chakras, and it necessitates a certain type of knowledge. It gives the ability to, us to vision on many levels of being, and dimensions of perception when unfolded. The right and the left nadis, or psychic channels, conveying prana, are said to be united here. The left nadi, or the ida nadi, is said to convey the energies of materialism, the mother or activity aspect of deity, and that associated with intelligence in nature. And the right-hand nadi is the consciousness principle, the pingala nadi. It conveys the energies of love, wisdom. All of these two types of energies are fused together here in the Ajna. The Ajna center and the crown center are said to be one, thus esoterically making five chakras. The base of the spine, sacral center combination, the solar plexus, the heart center, the throat center, and the Ajna and head center combination. Five chakras to do with the five pranas. Once the eye is awakened, then it allows you to vision deeply into space. And the thousand petal lotus awakens you to the plane we call Atma, to spiritual will, 
and gives you true cosmic visioning to higher perceptions, the type of wisdom, type of knowledge obtained by a Buddha. It's not possible to awaken that crown chakra except through stages as you gain more and more wisdom. The mind is awakened through through intelligent reading. The heart is awakened through your love, your sacrifice of yourself to help all sentient beings. The solar plexus is awakened through many techniques, through drugs, for instance, through um, forcing it open, visualization techniques. It can be awakened just through, through you being born with that chakra functioning. I won't go into all the properties of the minor chakras because that's a little bit much more technical and detailed except I've given you some information concerning the spleen as a whole. When you learn about chakras, you learn about healing. And you learn that healing is a little bit more than just wishing these powers to be or through visualization of so it's a good intentions is basically what I'm saying. You really have to begin to build a good aura, a clean aura. Another thing I'll point out also is that between the major chakras are ephric blocks, are grid works of, of congealed ephric substance. They put there purposefully so as to stop people that would want to temper with chakras from awakening those powers. For this reason, you don't see your past lives. For this reason, you can't look at uh, and manipulate other people's um, sexuality, for instance. For this reason, you can't sort of um, foresee Tat's lotto and, and win, win the lotto and all these types of things which a lot of people would want to do with powers. I understand if you saw your past lives, you saw some of your karma, and you knew that, for instance, that if you went in a car, you would have a road accident the next, uh, you know, the next hour, you probably would not go into your car and you would escape your karma. There's many things that um, powers these awakened visions would give you that most people are too selfish to be given the information of. Therefore, you are purposely kept from that information. The whole continent of Atlantis was destroyed through such information, through psychic power. There was a matriarchal society and there's witches that ruled it. Something like the nations of this earth today. And they used psychic power against each other. Massive warfare on the physical plane. Massive magic. Until all that was left was just a charred, blackened continent. Everything was destroyed. Basically the philosophy was, if I can't have it, you can't have it. I'll destroy it. Magic was the main means. And through magic you can kill people. Through magic you can make them go insane. I've sometimes mentioned the Aboriginal um, shaman elder with their death bone. They pointed another Aboriginal and that Aboriginal will die no matter what. Modern medicine can't save that person because that's their system of belief. And all um, Aboriginal peoples, whether they're in Africa or the American Indians, have similar processes. You've heard of voodoo and so forth. These lower psychic powers are uh, well known and how they can affect people. And myriads are the beings that develop them. Very, very few, only a tiny handful of humanity become enlightened beings through the awakening of higher spiritual perceptions. 
Therefore, those are enlightened beings. They try to warn you of the way of you becoming a voodoo practitioner or a sex magician, any form of black magic. Very dangerous. And it causes great karmic problems. We prefer you to have mundane consciousness and walk in our cities and be just average selfish human beings than to be average selfish human beings with psychic powers. You can do great harm to people around you and to the environment around you and to the diva kingdom, to the angelic kingdom with such awarenesses. First learn love. Are you talking earlier about the um, how the emotions they they're connected to the uh, solar plexus? Mm. Is that correct? Um, and I can't remember exactly what the line of thought that you you following up, but it is to do with um, the feeling of uh, bad energy or good energy or bad energy, but what to do, for instance when you're with a person around you that you can just completely feel your entire being being poisoned through your solar plexus because you're picking up on that energy. So uh, what to do when that kind of thing happens? What should you do? What you do is to send that person through your solar plexus light. The colorings of the solar plexus are green and red. Its main the petals are mainly a green colour. This is generally for the solar plexus. To, there's individual colourings that, that, that changes, but generally it's a green, a beautiful type of emerald green and, and red, with the where the petals of the flowers join, you know, cross over, and um, the red's actually three octaves higher than the green. And difficult information, but um, so the best thing to do is if you can visualise it to send green energy through your solar plexus, we call it SP for short. Um, in the Sanskrit terminology, it's called Manipura. So SP, um, solar plexus, BS, basis, bone, you know, it's shorthand terminology. But uh, So you send green energy specifically, it's the easiest energy to send through your SP um, to that individual, or you can send light. What you can find yourself in your hand is a sword. And the sword you may get the visualizations of you're genuinely being attacked in this way. You'll find a sword in your hand, and the sword is a mechanism of focusing this energy from the solar plexus, and you send it into that person's solar plexus. Right, so um, you try to clean out um, that energy. Later on, when you get um, proper visualization techniques, you'll actually see that uh, people's solar plexus and these chakras, but specifically the solar plexus and the minor chakras, they all have all types of entities associated with them. Sharks and dinosaurs and crabs by the millions and little serpents and maggots and you know, terrible, terrible things. And most people walk around with auras of this sort of substance in them. And when you begin to get a little bit of clairvoyant vision, that's what you'll see. And you'll actually be pushing out of that entity, that being maggots or leeches or little sort of serpents and... Yeah, nasty things uh, because that's what people have generated. Uh, the, in it, the images that, that appear are the nature of the thoughts that they've generated, the nature of the emotions that people have. Not everyone has good loving emotions. Right? A lot of people have some really nasty little emotions. And those nasty little emotions are, can be fishes of a very sharp teeth that come out to bite you. When you. If you ever learn 
magic, uh, those witches, for instance, I mentioned Atlantis, they were adept at uh, creating fort forms with like, like myriads of razor braids that, you, that could destroy somebody's aura. And uh, some of the psychic receptors of these would just be cut, you know, lacerated all over in the emotional body with, with these razor blade um, energies. Uh, most of you, luckily, have, have lost your psychic powers. Um, that was taken away after Atlantis um, from most of humanity um, for very good reasons. Um, though uh, the history of, of, all, of all the religions um, speak of magic, witchcraft, for instance, and uh, all the way through, uh, where people are developing lower psychic powers, sometimes to heal, but very often because they're malicious. It's very easy, um, for instance, in, say, the Renaissance period or the period of Reformation, when I sort of go into people's past lives and I see them a jilted lover um, back in those days. Yeah, they've just lost their, you know, somebody's come and took away their husband or their, or their girlfriend or something. Uh, but just specifically with women, well, it's very easy for them to resort to magic to try to get back at that person, to attack that person. Um, that's very, very common. And through that, they can, they can kill a person, they can cause all sorts of real terrible psychic problems, they can affect the sexual um, sexuality of the individual, they can cause diseases, for instance, to manifest in that area and so forth to try to prevent um, that person from having a normal sexual life. Um, some of you might know of this type of jealousy that you may have. Um, you may have experienced it on a more physical level, but you mix that with magic and you get some terrible karma. Huh? And this has been done over and over again. I see this in people, um, especially people that, that, that I have to heal occasionally, um, their psychic problems. It's very common. So I see this now, of course, in mass, uh, in the New Age movements. Um, again, people dabbling with this type of magic um, this, uh, with some real ignorance behind them um, and some knowledge, um, trying to awaken these psychic powers before they have the love to properly use it. And it's the solar plexus that's the, the generator of these types of forces. When you look at someone and you look at their energy point, would you, for example, in a head centre, would you see something like that? And if the difference between um, a sleeping chakra and a wake chakra, um, what does a sleeping chakra look like? Well, the chakras themselves, um, not so much the ones below the diaphragm because they are awake, because they relate to people's normal living expressions. The, the solar plexus centre to the emotions, the sacral centre to their sexuality, to their physical plane vitality in the base of the spine, to keeping them alive, to the throat centre, um, to their mind, so those actually have mental input. And these are the normal chakras that awaken. And what you see is that the petals of the... It's like a flower of the petals unfolding. Some petals have unfolded in the normal human beings. Some petals are still in the dormant or bud stage. Um, some chakras are focused downwards because that's where the individual is focused down in the material realms and a few are focused upwards to the higher realms, the kingdom of God. So it depends on where the person is at. So the chakra is, is partly awakened and some petals are spinning, others are not, others are dormant. Um, on the whole, the chakras as they awaken, they go from a 
the first of all, the, the flowers have to open up fully with all the, the qualities of the, of the, for instance, in the solar plexus, there's 10 petals. All 10 petals are fully awakened, fully functioning, and then they spin. Um, if they spin from, from right to left, um, then they're going the way of the dark forces, the dark brotherhood, and it's selfishness and personality will that dominates them and produces psychic sicknesses and things like that. The way of the past awakens uh, psychic states that humanity had long evolved out of. And if they spin from, from left to right, they go the way of evolution, the way of consciousness unfolding, the way of health and vitality. Um, and so they spin, and the faster they spin, the more they awaken. And eventually the, the motion of the chakra becomes fourth dimensional and also turns in upon itself as it's spinning around and produces such incredible beauty. And that's when the person is fully awakened, the chakra is fully awakened, um, and the person has the type of vision of, of what you might call an illumined being, or seer, or seeress. It's rare to see, of course, that type of fourth dimensional motion of incredible beauty. It's normally spinning one way or the rest. The difference between, for instance, the chakras awakening normal, and those that are trying to get their um, their um, highs through drugs or their powers through drugs is that drugs make the chakra spin from right to left, the opposite way of evolution. They regress you back to where you've come from in Atlantis and earlier states of human evolution. They can awaken, therefore, the types of psychic powers associated with much earlier primitive um, stages of human development, and um, which then later on you have to fix up. The way of enlightenment is the chakra spinning and your whole energy body spinning from left to right and, um, and that gives you, um, awakens you to the future, awakens you to the higher spiritual perceptions, it awakens you to where humanity is going um, and where enlightened beings are. It opens the doorways to, to, to great, great spiritual heights. Right to left or from left to right. One's called the left-hand path and the other one's called the right-hand path. The left-hand path is the way of the black magician. The right-hand path is the way of the white magician. Yes? So how then do we open the chakras without um, harming ourselves? Hmm. Well, my books, um, The Way of Meditation, for instance, teaches that. Um, this particular book here, The Way of Meditation, It's Nature Unfoldment. Um, I've given that talk last week and you know it's on tape or will be on tape as soon as it's done. Um, you can sort of read some of the spiritual books written by by proper um, accredited spiritual teachers, such as some of the Buddhists. Though I've got a lot of criticism of, of present-day Buddhism and some of these Rinpoche's and their, their, their terrible understanding of karma, for instance. Um, but you can come talk to me more or listen to some of the tapes I've been before, because it's a, a subject itself. But it really has got to do with meditation, and it's really got to do with with um, with um, beginning to look upon your emotions, look upon the way your emotions work, look upon your whole psychology, look upon the way your mind works, um, look at the at the control of your emotions, um, develop your mind, and um, awaken your heart through through true love, and um, do proper meditation. Meditation that that um, means the stilling of the mind so that images can come that allows you to analyze those images as they come for what they are. And that's what I teach anyway. Um, there are other teachers that might give you different techniques. You you said that that yoga can can uh, open the chakras 
Sütün obdan bolar
because the vision is, is your everything. You're out there in space, you're out there in the cosmos, and you're sort of surrounded by the stars, and you're traveling. This, um, so when you're out there, your body is still. Your body is, is immaterial, what your body is doing, um, because of the fact that um, you're not aware of the body in any way, shape, or form. Um, so the highest form of, of, of um, awakening a perception means, therefore, the stilling of the body, the stilling of the mind, um, the stilling of the emotions, and experiencing that which is, which is devoid of the body, the mind, or the emotions moving. There's an old uh, Zen Buddhist um, koan, which is um, you're observing a flag that is moving, um, and uh, in the wind, and, and they say, and the phrase is, what is moving? The flag of the wind. And the, the answer is neither. It is the mind that is moving. Right? Um, the only reason you can perceive the flag as, as moving um, in the wind is because your mind is active. Um, it's your mind that perceives these things. Therefore, um, again, in consciousness, um, still the body, still the emotions, control the mind um, and allow the reality to be and then you find yourself moving in states of, of illumined being, states of great transcendent awarenesses. Um, the body is, is just simply immaterial. It's, it's, it's below the threshold of consciousness. The emotions are immaterial. They are simply not used as a, as a mechanism of, of perception of anything. Um, the mind is calmed and it's just simply looking at things as, as, if, um, as if it's looking at a mirror. Um, and eventually it just analyzes the images or the, the awareness it sees. Believe me, when you begin to get rid of the drugs and you begin to take any of this uh, world of meditation, the energy states that come through are just so intense that you can barely hold them in consciousness. You sit and you meditate. You see the great light. Um, the intense forms of light that you must bear and you must channel because in meditation you do work you don't just simply have a euphoric experience you don't you just bliss out on some, some nice um, nirvana type state you actually have to do work in meditation there's so much in this universe to be done um, because you're a being of love and the whole purpose of meditation is to learn how to love and how to do things in meditation relating to love. A yogi, for instance, does not spend 20 years of their life you know, cross-legged and sort of, um, and then sort of 10 years later they wake up as if a dream and then they go back into it. That's escapism. It's not what they do. They spend their years of meditation doing work in meditation and real work because there's stacks of stuff to do. That whole universe awakens of... Understand, well, as it awakens before you, understand that um, you know, these bodies, they flash in, in and out of incarnation. When you begin to see the, the stream of lives like I've seen, um, just life after life after life after life after life, and you really see just how short these lifespans really are, and that you spend most of your time, your existing time, out of your bodies. I mean, for instance, you go to sleep at night and you leave your body. You go into this astral world um, or to a higher dimension. So, you know, so much of that time is out of your bodies. Um, and some of your waking time is out of your bodies. But when you die, you spend quite a considerable of your evolutionary time out of your bodies. And this, this, that particular world which you experience out of your bodies is the world of reality. This is the world of illusion. This is the world of glamour. This is the world where you create a lot of karma and you have to cleanse your karma. And there's a purpose for that. But um, that world is, is a vast, vast universe full of all types of entities, all sorts of things to learn. And there's all sorts of work to be done to it. 
I mean, humanity have created some terrible energies, terrible thought forms, some oh, their emotions, the, 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 uh, the, the accumulated effect of people's emotions on this planet, seen from a great height, is just black swirling cloud. It's what in the Bible is called the great outer darkness. Um, you know, St. Paul says the whole creation sort of growing up in travail of and pain together. It's what is seen. And you actually, in meditation, you actually have to learn to clean that astral murk. You have to, have to help people with their sufferings, their, 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 their stupid ways of thinking. And you send light into their minds. You may have to sort of ward off evil attacking this whole planet. And you have to send great beams of light to, say, dark forces and masses of black UFOs coming to this planet and so forth. There's so much work to be done. And um, this is the type of world that those of you that are busy sort of thinking that, that I, uh, sort of I husk or peyote sort of um, uh, gives you much is, is, is almost laughable because when you sort of go into this proper world of service work um, through meditation and all these visions that you're doing, you're not just sort of receiving images in your brain, but you actually have to work. You have to sort of send great beams of light here and there. You may be attacked by dark forces. Um, you may be on a UFO or a spaceship talking to the entities and you may go off to a star or to a planet and you've got work to be done there. You may be helping sort of um, human beings on, on the inner realms after they've died because they ended up in a health state and you've got to try to pull them out of their health state um, as I've explained in, in a former lecture of mine. There's, there's an enormous amount of work to be done um, you know, to combating the planetary evil, to try to cleanse the, the planet of, of some of the psychic forms of sickness that human beings have, beings have created. Um, help your brothers and sisters because what they're creating inside themselves of their emotions and all the rest of it um, is, you know, is, is, is quite putrid. It's sometimes seen from, 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 from a more higher clairvoyant perspective and you have to send light into those beings to help them out. Um, you know, you've got so many forms of healing to be done and it can only be done out of a drug state. You can't heal while you're glazed over with drugs. You can't really heal. I mean, you can pretend, you can do pretend healing. But you're just children playing a game with, with, with rubber wands and, and uh, you know, the true healing is done once you can truly channel light with knowledge. You can truly work with chakras with knowledge. And you've got great vision of past, present and future of that person's incarnations and so forth. It takes far greater streams of knowledge than what people understand. Um, and, um, and drugs is just no way to it. Um, as I mentioned before in one of my talks, you know, if you've got a, an aura, an astral body that's just full of murk, full of these, these, these grey and these swirling energies, and it's healers trying to heal through that, first of all, you know, the, the aphorism is physician, heal thyself. And there's very few people that, that are in the alternative healing session that, uh, or, you know, that, that actually heal themselves of their own sort of psychic sicknesses and diseases and their own physiological diseases. Until they can do so properly, how can they heal? They heal through their own murky aura, through their own sicknesses and their diseases, their own corruption of their body. Um, and they certainly haven't awakened the chakras to do so. So, yes, um, if you want to heal properly, again, you get rid of drugs. And then you can work with light directly. You can consciously direct light. You know what you're doing and you know why you're doing it. And you don't have any other um, agency um, clouding or diffusing your mind. Um, because remember, also, with drugs, the drugs take you this way or that. And that's not enlightenment. In enlightenment, you're in total control of everything you do. Everything is done consciously. Everything is done with great knowledge. And you have great psychic power. And nothing is done that can possibly harm another being. You see the karma. And you work with the laws of karma. And um, I don't know anyone 
that claims to be healer under drugs that has that type of knowledge. I can tell you it's impossible. Just by definition, because they are under control of an outside entity that's not them. You know, the whole concept of thinking that you can be a healer through drugs is really absurd, except that those that are deluding themselves and thinking that they're doing something. But yes, they do something because divas come in, angels come in, and they heal through anyone that really wants to heal. Because the divas, the angelic kingdom, they fill our, our hospitals um, and they're trying to heal people that are sick. Um, they'll sometimes go behind any healer if you're trying to do Reiki or something like that, and the light's pouring through you. Where's it coming from? It's coming from divas. It's not coming from anything you're doing if you're offering yourself up as a channel. Uh, but you become an enlightened being. You learn this world of meditation. You do that consciously and you can become a um, thousand times more powerful as a healer and you're doing it true because you're dealing with the sum total of the human being. Um, this is actually my, um, my next talk, <laughs> um, the law of healing, I think, or the talk after. So you know, it's, it's a far vaster universe out there than anything that you can experience through drugs. And believe me, that is for real. Um, none of you really have an idea of the type of consciousness obtained by a Buddha. Uh, what he gave in his books and what is revealed in Buddhism, for instance, is only a tiny, tiny portion of the consciousness of an enlightened being. And believe me, you can't do so if you're sort of enlightened through some technique, some, some thing that is dulling your consciousness, so it's called a drug. That aura can never be produced through drugs that you see in a Buddha or any other enlightened being. The radiance, like this. Drug. Anyone that's clairvoyant will see this, this type of energy just swirling like this. That, that's, that's not enlightenment. Um, that, as so is in itself, forms of sicknesses that have to be healed later on out of that individual. <coughs>